And uh, really excited about this message as we're kicking off our uh, Christmas series uh, that we're starting today. Um, and the, uh, the, the theme that we're uh, uh, going with this year is uh, searching for Christmas and the search for that. And um, it's going to carry us through the um, Paramount Theater services and the 1030 service and the candlelight service. Can't wait to, to just see the outpouring and uh, I'm really looking forward to um, being there with my family. It's always one of my favorite services um, as a family to be able to uh, give my children Jesus is the, the greatest gift that I could give them. If I'm giving them just, you know, toys and, and all that stuff that's going to rust and fade away, but I'm not giving them Jesus, then I'm not really a good parent. I want to give my kids something that will endure through the toys and the games and the cards and the candy and the chestnuts and the cookies and you name it, whatever. Uh, I want to give them Jesus. And I'm excited to be able to do that with my family, and I, I pray that you will join us in that. Uh, this morning's sermon, uh, I'm going to title, um, Christmas Family Tree. And uh, I'm going to read a scripture in uh, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It's a, a scripture that uh, is quoted in the book of Matthew. It's a prophecy that Micah gave hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born. And it's a, a prophecy that was telling of the coming Messiah. And uh, Micah was a prophet in the uh, Old Testament. And uh, this is the uh, uh, scripture. Uh, it says, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It says, but you, Bethlehem, David's country, you are the runt of the litter. Very flattering way to describe a city. Bethlehem, you are the runt of the litter. Um, I didn't know this, but Bethlehem... Uh, in the uh, Hebrew translation, uh, is, is what, Diamond? Do you remember from the first service? It's Bakersfield, California. It's actually how they interpret it in the Hebrew. Um, uh, my, my <laughs> but babe, you came from there. You're the diamond in the rough. Okay, anyway, I'll stop right now. If you're from Bakersfield, um, I love you, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, for <laughs> From you will come the leader who will shepherd and rule Israel. And he'll be no upstart, no pretender. And his family tree is ancient and distinguished. Uh, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning, Lord God. Uh, we thank you for what Christmas means, Lord. I just pray that you, you help me now, Lord God, to be able to share and articulate this message in a way that could communicate to everybody here in, in a, a very relevant way, Lord God, that, that your word is alive. It's just as alive today as it was 2,000 years ago in that, in that stable, Lord God. And I just pray you use me to help uh, bring that out. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Uh, I didn't know this until I researched it, but 100 million American families are uh, going to uh, uh, or already have put up a Christmas tree this year in their homes. Is that you? Who has a Christmas tree in their, in their house? Awesome, awesome. A few people. Who, uh, just, just like, uh, want, want to see if I can see the hands here. Uh, who has a real Christmas tree in their house? My real Christmas tree people. Awesome. You guys are going strong. Love it. You guys just, just killing trees, taking our oxygen away. Awesome, awesome. Good for you. Uh, anybody, you know, cut, the, I almost said kill the tree. I guess he did. Uh, cut the tree down yourself, bare hands, like Griswold style, like, like just went out to the farm yourself. Nobody, anybody, you know, so you just go to Home Depot and pick it up, right? So you don't want to see them kill it, but you, you'll, you'll, it's like, I don't want to see the cow that I'm eating, um, you know, but I'll, I'll reap the benefits of it. Uh, where's my fake Christmas tree people at? Yeah. 
Awesome. Yes, I love it. I love it. I am one of you. I am one of you. Uh, who, who, who has the pre-lit Christmas tree? Pre-lit. Yes, I love it. Getting more popular every year. Lazier and lazier and lazier us Americans get. Uh, now, we're, now we're just maybe just get like a, a, like a little hologram of a Christmas tree next year and just put it up on the wall. That's what we're going to end up uh, going with because, of course, it, it's important because there was a Christmas tree in the stable with Jesus, right? So we got to have that, uh, right? So uh, our, our family uh, traditions, originally, we would always go and cut down our own Christmas tree when I was little. Uh, I, I remember me and my dad and my mom, we'd go, and, and you know, I, I just remember the freezing cold weather and, like, getting frostbite trying to find, like, the perfect tree, God shining down. That one is the Friedel family tree, and we would cut it down, and we'd strap it on the car, and, and we, we, we'd drive home, and, and then my dad got really bougie one year, and then we finally sold out. Uh, I remember I was 12 years old, and we went with the fake Christmas tree, and uh, unfortunately for me, my parents went for the 12-foot fake Christmas tree that I was now responsible to uh, put up every single Christmas. And literally, I'm, I'm kid you not, risking my life to put the angel on top of the tree with the 15-foot ladder, but the tree's wide, so I had to go up and then kind of lean over to put the angel on the tree. I went to Jersey Shore Hospital like three times for that, you know, like, 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 like just jabbed on the way down by all the, the branches and everything. Anyone ever have an injury putting up Christmas lights or a Christmas tree? You know, and then and we still do it. We are crazy. We are nutty people, you know. Any, anybody put up their Christmas tree in October? We'll pray for you after, after the service, you wackos, Bobby. I know you're out there somewhere. You know, uh, and, and so us, we, we wait till December. In fact, this year, we waited until uh, um, this week, actually, um, when I got the guilt trip, big time, when uh, Pastor Rhonda came in and said, there's not even a wreath on this door. I'm like, there wasn't a wreath in the stable with Jesus, you know? Sell out, Pastor Rhonda? No, just, and, but so I, I got guilted into it. The kids, they, they wanted me to, to get all the, we, we have Olaf and we have a little minion like blow up thing that we put in our front, like, front yard right next to the nativity. Um, you know, my kids, I put the nativity up and my kids are like, they don't care about Mary and Joseph. They're like, where is Olaf? Where is the minion? So I had to go and hunt and find him. I, I did find him. Thank God I rescued them. Um, hopefully this year I will be successful in throwing them away so we never have to uh, do that again. Uh, you know, so we all have our traditions, right? You have your Christmas traditions. Uh, one of our Christmas traditions growing up, my father would always uh, read us the Luke 2 Christmas story, you know, out of the old King James Bible, like the real, you know, real authentic and read the, the story. And so uh, our, our family, I'm looking forward to doing that with, uh, with our family this year. Uh, the like Charlie Brown portion of the scripture and open it and reading it with my family. And, you know, maybe we could do like a reenactment this year, right? Hopefully Mary's not pregnant, you know. <laughs> Hopefully, four, four might kill me, you know. Um, and, and so we all have our own traditions, right? You have your traditions. And a lot of them are, are really nice, and, and, and they, they warm our hearts, and they're, they're accompanied by a nice warm cup of cocoa and some great carols and chestnuts roasting on an open fire and, and cookies and carols. But none of those things ring true for the original Christmas. Uh, in fact, the, the first Christmas is much nicer to look at from a distance. Because when you really actually look at 
the first Christmas with Mary and Joseph and Jesus, it, it is plagued with, 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 with scandal. It is plagued with, with rejection. It's plagued by, by, by Mary, you know, trying to uh, communicate to everybody that, that she is not a, 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 an adulterer, that she got impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and, and, and Joseph getting ready to divorce her because everyone is telling her, get rid of that woman. She's cheating on you. She's going behind your back to a Nazarene nightclub or something. You need to get rid of her. And, and yet Joseph... Uh, was able to have faith enough to stay with her. And then uh, King Herod, who was king over Bethlehem, uh, sent out a decree because uh, he heard that a newborn king was coming to Bethlehem. And so he had every single two-year-old boy murdered. And so after Jesus was born, they had to hightail it out of Bethlehem and go hide away in Egypt until it was safe to come back home. It, it was plagued with rejection as they went back to Bethlehem, Joseph and Mary, because of a census that was taking place. They had to go back to their hometown to be able to be part of this census. And Mary's pregnant. This is Joseph's hometown. All his family is there. And yet their family would not even open up their doors to allow them to stay in the house with them because they thought Mary was an adulterer. So they made them have the baby outside in a cave. Talk about rejection. That really warms your heart, doesn't it? Good old family rejection. Not up in here. And yet... Our Christmas pictures can be so warm, and, and, and in fact, the, the first Christmas is, is nothing like that. And where does the Christmas story start? Where should we start our search for Christmas? If we're going to find Christmas, where do we start? Uh, most people will uh, go to Matthew chapter 2 or Luke chapter 2, but uh, I believe the search for Christmas starts before 2 comes what? You guys are so smart. 1. Matthew chapter 1 is is the beginning of the Christmas story, and, and, and this is what the scripture says. This is the family tree of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. This is, scripture is really going to get you in the Christmas spirit. Are you ready? Are you ready? The Christmas sermons, Christmas scripture, right? You ready? Abraham, the father of Isaac, Isaac, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez, the father of Zerah, and Zerah, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Abimelech, Abimelech, the father of Nahash, Nahash, the father of Solomon, Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, and Jesse, the father of King David. That was good, right? That's like, like Christmas right there, right? Family tree, baby. You know, and then I'll just, I'm not going to read them all because... You know, I do want to leave here alive and want you guys to stay with me. Uh, verse 16, it, it follows and says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. And thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile of Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah, Jesus. Why would we want to know the family tree of Jesus as the introduction to the Christmas story. I'll tell you why, uh, and, and because a lot of us can't relate to that, because a lot of us, we, we, we don't really care about our family tree that much. It's, it's kind of cool to look at. Uh, maybe, you know, your son's in kindergarten, and they do a little family tree, and, and, and we can look back at where we came from. But in Jesus' day, the family tree was so important that if Jesus was going to claim to be Messiah, he was going to have to have the right family tree. 
Because for us, what, what opens up doors for us and what opens up opportunities isn't necessarily who our, 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 what our family tree is. It's, it's our resume. Anybody have a resume? You, you, you put uh, uh, on your resume uh, things that will open up opportunities for you. And in Jesus' day, the family tree was like a resume. People, before you went to get a job, before you went to school, before you opened up a store, people wanted to know what your family lineage was. And if you came from the right bloodline, if you had the right uh, um, uh, family tree, then opportunity would follow you. And Jesus claims to be the Messiah, and one of the requirements for being Messiah is you had to be from the lineage of King David. You had to prove that you came from King David. So that makes sense, that, that this would be the first book of the Bible, to show that Jesus came from King David. Because that's what Micah told us, prophesied, where the Messiah was going to come from. Are you with me? Okay, I'm going somewhere, I promise. And if you were to do a resume, you ever leave anything out of your resume? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like when you were 17 years old and you thought it would be, you know, really cool to, you know, steal something from Gap and you got caught and had to go to the mall police and, and they, you were a minor so it wasn't necessarily on your record so you didn't have to put it on your resume. Uh, so you kind of left that part out, right? Yeah, maybe that one boss where you uh, had a little bit of a disagreement with and you cussed him out and left there and you kicked down a door on your way out and, and there was like a lawsuit pending and now you're trying to get a new job, but you just happened to leave that out of your resume because uh, it might not be a good idea for your new employer to call your old boss. Anyone ever, no, don't raise your hands, but we've, we've all maybe been telling a story or, or writing a resume and we leave out some details that might not be flattering to us. You would think that that's what Matthew would do. All he had to do in this lineage was just prove that Jesus came from David. And yet he goes into great detail and is honest with the family tree of Jesus in an almost embarrassing way. Kind of like that guy who, who, who you, you say, how you doing? And they sit you down for a 25-minute conversation about their entire week and all the, the hell that they went through in that week. And you're like, I didn't need all that. Anyone ever talked to that person before? You know, or like the guy, you know, uh, how was your workout? You know, like, how was your workout, Ed? Good workout. And, and, and you know, Ed's like, you know, actually, you know, last night I, I, I had something really nasty to eat. I had, like, two chili dogs from a, a, a roadside a, a vendor, and, man, I had diarrhea all night. And, and the whole workout, I had just bowel movements, the whole workout, especially when we were doing those squat thrusts. But I made it through. You know, a simple not-my-best workout would have been fine. You know, didn't need the honesty, Right? Anyone ever met that person before? You know, like, like I didn't need, I, I know you're, you, you love being honest, but I really didn't need all that detail. That's kind of what Matthew does in this passage. Because he goes into great detail that is so unnecessary to prove the bloodline, the lineage of Jesus. He, he goes into detail and mentions uh, four very, very unusual uh, characters in the lineage of Jesus. See, in, in Hebrew times, 
it was only the men that were ever mentioned in the lineage. It, it always would say Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, Jacob begot Judah, and so on. And so they, they never mentioned the women. And yet Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit, decides to introduce four women into the lineage, the family tree of Jesus. I think for one, uh, as Pastor Terry spoke last Sunday, that Jesus was the most pro-woman leader that we have ever seen. He, he, he lifted women up in a way that nobody else did to that day. And, and I believe that that is a reason why uh, some of these characters are listed in the genealogy of Jesus. But they're very unusual because uh, they would be hanging on the family tree of Jesus. Like, like these, anyone have pictures, like their baby pictures hanging on the family tree, Right? Like, these would be the people hanging on the family tree of Jesus. This is a really cute picture of me. Really cute. That's definitely going up there. So so this is what it says. The family tree of Jesus. It says, uh, uh, Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed, who who is Rahab? Who is this woman that Matthew finds it so important to put in the lineage of Jesus for all of us to know. Didn't need to, did anyway. So this must be a really important person. Rahab, who was she? What's her resume look like? Yeah, nailed it, front row. Sandy, thank you for preaching the sermon for me. Next service, I'll give you the microphone and you'll kill it. Uh, Yeah, Rahab was a prostitute. Yep, that's that's the great, great, great grandmother of Jesus. Right on the family tree of Jesus, there you go. Prostitution, right on the top, right there. Awesome. Thanks for just throwing it in there. Matthew, yep, that's my great-great-grandmother, Rahab. So in the family tree of Jesus, you have prostitution. That's in the bloodline of Jesus. And uh, no need to put it in there. And then they go, they go on. They mention another person. Uh, it's another one. Uh, we'll, we'll go to verse 3. Judah, God bless Judah. Judah's my first son's name. It says, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Okay, Tamar. Tamar. Who, who's Tamar? Some of you might not know who Tamar is. Uh, Tamar, it says, so, so Judah had a baby with Tamar. Baby's name was Perez. What it doesn't say in there, if you read the book of Genesis, is that Judah was Tamar's father-in-law. It just got really weird. But, but that, that, that's okay. It, Judah didn't know that, that he was sleeping with Tamar because he thought he was sleeping with a prostitute. That doesn't help. <laughs> because Tamar dressed up like a prostitute and deceived her father-in-law. And the product of that was Perez. Awesome, Jesus. Thanks for just throwing that in there. We all needed to know that your great-great-great-grandmother was Tamar who deceived and has a a family scandal that you would see on Netflix or something. And that doesn't stop there. It goes to another woman. It says, uh, Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Who's Ruth? Ruth is an awesome woman of God. Uh, We read about her in the book of Ruth, you guys are awesome. Nailed it, nailed it. Thank you. I needed that one. I was getting confused up here for a second. In the book of Ruth, she's an amazing, mighty woman of God, uh, but she's a Moabitess. That's, that's her bloodline. She's, she's not 
of Jewish blood. She's a, a Moabitess, and the, 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 the history of the Moabites is a product of incest. This guy Lot, we read about in the book of Genesis, uh, got intoxicated and slept with his own daughter, and the product of that was the Moabites. And so now we throw that on the family tree of Jesus. Awesome. That thing's really decorated beautifully, isn't it? I mean, look at that. You got, you got prostitution, you got liars, you got deceivers, you got, yeah, I, I mean, anything you imagine is on that tree. It's not looking too good. And then finally, we get to David. Thank God we get to David, the man after God's own heart. And so finally, that's all we had to do was prove that he was a descendant of David. And it says, and, and Jesse, the father of King David, and David, the father of Solomon, comma, why didn't you put a period there? Had to go with a comma, whose mother, Bathsheba, had been Uriah's wife. Too much detail. Now we're bringing in other people's marriages into the genealogy of Jesus. The mother, who was once Uriah's wife, so who's, who's Uriah's wife? Uriah's wife is Bathsheba, and David, uh, one day, uh, he saw Bathsheba taking a bath, that's right. <laughs> the Bible's easier than you think. Taking a bath naked, and so she, he, he saw her and said, I want her, and uh, she was married to Uriah. Uriah was fighting for David on the battlefield, winning battles for David, and David went behind his back and committed adultery with his wife, and the product of that was Solomon, so now we introduce into the family tree, man, this family tree is looking amazing. We introduce adultery. But it doesn't even stop there because that wasn't enough for King David. I love it when people say, man, Ed, you have such a King David spirit in you. Like what part of King David? Like, <laughs> because King David, he was an adulterer. And then not only that, he said, oh, Uriah, uh, I'm sleeping with your wife, uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you to the front line of the battle line so you get slaughtered and die so that I could cover up this scandal that is going on in my life. And, and that's what David did. So he not only committed adultery, but now he's got murder in his family tree. That's great. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. That's a beautiful tree. Murder, prostitution, immorality, adultery. Great. Fantastic. I think it's, it's so interesting that all four of those names are mentioned. Bathsheba, Rahab, Tamar, Ruth. I believe that part of the reason why Jesus came into this world, he came to say, I, I am here to seek and save that which is lost. I came for sinners, but he also wanted us to know that he came through sinners. That I am not intimidated by your sin. I'm not intimidated by the dysfunction of the past in your family. I have it in my own bloodline, in my own family. I only, not only came for sinners, I came from them. That's the family tree of Jesus. And I find it so interesting that the family tree of Jesus is filled and decorated with sin because it was on a tree when sin entered this world. I mean, it was because of a tree. Because you had Adam and Eve in the garden, Genesis chapter 3, don't eat from this tree. That was cool, kind of rhymed. And so sin entered the world through the serpent, and someone sent me this picture, uh, knew I was going to be preaching this message, and I, I, I got this picture, um, and it was from a, uh, 
uh, a Christmas in Australia. And it was a woman in Australia that uh, uh, got up early one morning and got her coffee and was real cozy by her Christmas tree and, um, you know, was listening to like Bing Crosby or, you know, maybe little Alvin and the Chickmunks, who knows, whatever floated her boat, uh, and uh, um, sits down and all of a sudden notice something in there is not supposed to be there. Ornament, 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 serpent, ornament, ornament, what? <laughs> Merry Christmas. And a good, she called the protective, the uh, animal services, and they came and got it. It was a tiger snake, one of the most poisonous snakes in all, all of Australia. And uh, I, I just find that, that picture interesting because uh, that, that's a great picture of how sin entered the world. Uh, you see, it was a, a serpent that we read about in the book of Genesis that deceived Adam and Eve, uh, got them to believe that God wasn't enough got them to question God. Uh, God gave them everything that they needed, but he said, I'm, I'm, I'm setting up parameters, and the serpent said, God doesn't love you, that uh, you won't certainly die if you eat from this tree, because that's what God had told them, if you eat from this tree, that you will die. And so the serpent said, you're not going to actually die. God is just messing with you. And so they took and ate from the tree, and uh, uh, they died. Some of you may say, no, they didn't. You know, you, you know the Bible. They went on to live you know, a, a life, and they had children, uh, but there's different kinds of death. There's a physical death that we'll all have, and there's also a spiritual death. I, I believe this one author, his name is Adrian Rogers, he writes about it in his book, uh, Kingdom Authority, and this is what he writes. He writes, Adam was very much like a Christmas tree, cut off from its roots, brought into the house and decorated. In some ways, it may look better in the house than it did out in the wild. But what happened when it was cut from the source of life, and it'll, it, that won't show until sometime after New Year's. The truth of the matter is that it is often called a living tree, but it was dead when it was cut off from the source of life. And so it is with humanity. Sin brings death into our souls, separation from God. You may still be breathing on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. Because we are made of two things, body, mind, and spirit. And your body may be doing well and you may look good, but your spirit may be dead on the inside. So many people, Judah and I, we were doing a, a project on, on a disease of, uh, uh, some of you may have battled it in your family. It's a horrible disease called ALS, where somebody is so sound in their mind, but their body is completely failing. And I thought as we were studying and the pain and the agony that so many families go through with that, and uh, we learned about uh, Steve Freights and the Ice Bucket Challenge and how he inspired millions to be able to bring awareness to this disease. But I thought, how many people are sound in their mind and their body, but their souls are dying every single day? And they think somehow that if I decorate my tree nice enough, that somehow this ache within my soul will go away, and it never will. That's what Jesus came to do. See, so often we, we think that this world can fix this aching in our soul. We think that more will fix this aching in our soul, this hurting, this brokenness. We think that other people somehow will be able to fill this void that I have within my soul, that if they like me enough, if they, if they marry me, or if, they, if I have children, or if I'm able to get this house, or if I'm able to get this job, that somehow this ache inside of my soul will go away, and it never does. In fact, the more that you strive to fill it with the wrong things, the bigger it will actually get and the more empty you'll actually be because that is the one thing that we all have in common. 
every one of us, whether you drove here in a Rolls Royce or you walked here from, from a homeless shelter, we all have the same thing in common. We are different in so many ways. Some of you, you might like, like rock music. You might like rap. You might like country. We'll pray for you. You know, it, we're all different in so many ways. But the one thing that unites us is we all have this ache within our souls that our home is not here, that there is something missing. And what it is is our connection from God. Because the moment that sin entered our life, we lost that connection with God. And what Christmas means, means what Christmas is. It's not a holiday. It's a rescue mission. And we are the prisoners of war. We are the broken ones that Jesus came to reconnect us back to our source. And the gift that Jesus gave us on Christmas doesn't go under the tree. The gift that Jesus gave us went on a tree. And that is what Christmas is all about. That is what Jesus came to do. I'll give it to you in one verse of scripture. It's 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24, this is what it says. It says, he himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on a tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. I'll tell you what a real Christmas tree is. The real Christmas tree is the tree that Jesus died on 2,000 years ago on Calvary, and it was decorated so beautifully, so majestically. What was it decorated with, Pastor Isaac? It was decorated with your sins. It was decorated with your picture on that cross, the blood of sinners, the blood of prostitutes, the blood of immoral people, the blood of liars and cheaters, the blood of shameful people. It had you written all over it, and that is the most beautiful Christmas tree that you could ever display in your home, because the tree in in Rockefeller Center and the tree at the Asbury Park Convention Hall on January 1st, it's going to wither and be gone. But the tree that Jesus gave us on the first Christmas will never fade away. The Bible says that the grass may wither, the tree may fade, but the word of the Lord shall last forever. And so what I'm going to do, I don't know about you, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to decorate my family with that tree. I'm going to give that to my family this Christmas, that this is who we are. This is why Jesus came. He didn't come to put things under a tree. He came to die a death on a tree, and that is the most beautiful tree that you could ever display in your home. That's Christmas. Merry Christmas, somebody. Merry Christmas, somebody. You could have a good Christmas no matter what you're going through in your life because of what Jesus came to do for you. And Christmas is for everybody. Everybody's name is on that tree. Everybody's sin is on that tree. There's, there, there's rich people. There's poor people. There's people who grew up Buddhist. There's Muslims. There's, there's white people, black people, red people, yellow people. Every soul is on that tree because that's who Jesus died for. For God so loved the world. That's right. For God so loved the That's right. He gave his only son. And that's the message we need to get out this Christmas. Come one, come all. Jesus came for you. My God, is there a greater message on the planet than that? My gosh, the most, most inclusive message in the world. Died for you. You know what's so amazing? Is that Jesus came and died for people that will never even love him back. Reckless love. That's what Jesus has. 
I remember when I was in, I, I was, I didn't say this, it's not in my notes, but it just came to me. Kelly Kapowski. Anybody remember Kelly Kapowski? Saved by the Bell. I, man, I, I thought I was going to marry Kelly Kapowski. If my mom would have let me, I would have put a picture of her in my bedroom. And I, I loved her. I'm like, I'm going to marry Kelly Kapowski. My mom's like, no, you won't. She's never even going to talk to you. I'm like, I don't care. I love her anyhow. Even if there's no chance, I love her. I'm better than Zach. He's got nothing on me. He's got that weird cell phone and them, them, them you know, big old white shoes that are so dorky, you know. But, but this is what, this is, this is the comparison, is that Jesus loves you recklessly even though you may never even love him back or respond to his grace and his mercy and what he did for you on the cross. That's the love that Jesus has for humanity. There may be someone who will curse him and spit on him and write books against God, Christopher Hitchinson, all those people who, who hated him, but Jesus died for them. Jesus loves them and they didn't even know it. That's how ridiculous and crazy the love that Jesus has for us is. That's the message of Christianity. It's not kicking people in the boot out the door, but it's welcoming them in no matter what they've been through, no matter their background, no matter their beliefs. You're welcome in the house of God. Merry Christmas is for everybody. I like everybody. Merry Christmas. I close with this. You guys getting anything out of this? I like this service. We're going to put this service on YouTube. I like this one. We're putting this one online for everybody to listen to. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It, it said that the family tree of Jesus, this is the first scripture I read if you were paying attention, is ancient and distinguished. And you look at what we decorated our tree with, with the with, with the sinners and the Ruths and the Tamars and the, uh, and the Rahabs and the, the Bathshebas and all the, all, all the sin and all the dysfunction that was on that family tree. What part of that is distinguished, Pastor Isaac? Doesn't sound very distinguished to me. Sounds more like my family than Jesus' family. That's just one side of his family. You should see the other side. See, the other side you can read about it in just one scripture, John chapter 1, verse 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And see, when Jesus came, what he did on the cross is he bridged the gap. That on one side of his family, he has all the sin of the world. He has all the shame. But then on the other side, he has the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, the, 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 the perfectness of God. And when Jesus died on the cross, what he did is he bridged that gap for us so that that chasm no longer exists. So that when we put our faith in what Jesus did on the first Christmas tree, the real Christmas tree, on Calvary, the Christ tree, when we put our faith in that, suddenly that chasm is gone and suddenly we are likened to God. Suddenly when God looks down at us, he doesn't see our sin, he doesn't see our shame, but he sees his perfect son. We wear it like a jacket, we wear it like a perfume, John said, and you should put on some Jesus. You look really good in some Jesus. You don't look very good in your own self and your own dysfunction. You need to start putting Jesus on, and when God looks down at you, he doesn't see you for what you've done. He sees you through the eyes of his son. That's what Christmas did for us. Let's bow our heads right now. Father, we thank you so much 
God, we thank you that you never gave up on us. Even in the moments where we, we cursed you. Even in the moments where, where man, we, we, we lied to you, we lied to everybody. Even in the moments where we hurt so many people through our actions. You loved us through it all. God, I pray that, that this Christmas we will receive the gift that went on the tree. I pray that that will be the gift that we give ourselves, and that's the gift that we give our families this Christmas. God, I pray that every single person in here will give their family Jesus this Christmas. They'll sit down with them and tell them what, what Christmas is all about, where, where it all really came from. came from that stable. The midst of chaos and the midst of rejection, you could have the best Christmas of all time. See, when Jesus was born, things were not perfect. When Jesus was born, his family had just been rejected by their own family. They had orders that there were murderers that were coming to, to take their children. They were surrounded by chaos. They were homeless, eating in a soup kitchen. And yet, the angels came and said, Peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Have great joy, for unto you a Savior is born. And they were able to experience joy and peace in the midst of absolute chaos and rejection and hurt. God, I pray that we can embrace that gift this Christmas. That even if we're not surrounded by all the people we wish we had in our life, we're not surrounded in the perfect house or, or in the perfect situation going into 2020, that we have the perfect one in our life. And I'm gonna celebrate that this Christmas. I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. I'm not going to make excuses or be a victim, but I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to be grateful that I have a family tree that has been given to me by Jesus and it will endure forever. I'm saved and I'm satisfied. There's somebody in here, you've been saved for so long and you're still not satisfied with what Jesus has already done for you. You need to learn to be able to live from a place that God, if you never do another thing for me or my family, I am thankful, I am blessed, I am satisfied with just having you in my life. And that is the point where real joy and real peace can come. Just being thankful for the little things in your life. God, forgive us for, for always wanting more. And I just pray, Lord, that this Christmas we'll be thankful for the little things, Lord God. Be thankful for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap. If you would.